We're going to run this morning, so turn to page 839 in your pew Bibles, 839 in your pew Bibles, 1 Timothy. I know we've been sitting in 1 Timothy a lot, especially the first chapter, the last couple sermons, um, but it's kind of like um, one of those things where, that was awesome, by the way. It's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, you, you keep um, digging and digging and finding and finding and and. The reality is I'm not going to stop digging until I'm pretty sure that we've exhausted all of it, okay? So, or at least exhausted what I think the Lord wants us to hear. Okay, let's just get to the good stuff. First Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 15, and we're going to go into chapter 2, verse 6. And um, last week's sermon, I really hit uh, verse 15 hard, and I want to just point out and emphasize again, this is foundational. Um, for adulting in Jesus, which is, is kind of been the theme that we've been talking about. Here's the text. Here's the word of the Lord. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have shipwrecked and rejected, and so, and so suffered shipwreck in regards to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. So I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. For this is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Let's stop right there. We've been, again, talking about, there's this theme about adulting, right, in Jesus, growing up, getting past, getting past this idea of a transactional faith, this idea that what I do somehow merits greater favor from the Lord. Um, we do this with people. We do this as kids. But as we hopefully grow up as adults in our own personal lives, we get to a place where we learn that doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do is the adult thing to do. Standing on principles, being a person of your word, whatever you want to call it. When, when we put this where it's supposed to be in our spiritual selves, it takes on a whole new light. Because we realize that transactionally, it's one way with God. The, it's a one-way transaction, period. You've heard it, this whole idea of receiving from the Lord. Okay, That's adulting in Jesus. 
receiving from the Lord. That's why last week I hammered that, that trustworthy saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This is where it starts, realizing that you come to the table offering nothing. And after you've received Christ, you still have nothing to offer. And if you've been walking with the Lord for 20, 40, 60, 100 years, guess what? You still have nothing to offer. God pours it all out. The, the key to, maybe we call it spiritual maturity. I hate that phrase. It sounds so, I don't know what. But the key to it is all in receiving from the Lord. So I, I like this uh, paraphrase, if you will, this interpretation of Galatians 3 by Eugene Peterson, where he says, but now you have arrived at your destination by faith in Christ. You're in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. An adult faith wardrobe who is Jesus's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Okay, I, I want to start there because I want to go back to this place in Timothy where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, here's how you do it. Again, we always want to know the hows and the how always starts with the Lord. It always starts with receiving from him. Well, how to do what, right? To do what is when Paul talks to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight. Uh, that's the old NIV 1984. I think it's even the King James. I actually like the new version of the NIV where it says, I want you to fight well. I like that because again, it's not an emphasis on picking the fight. It's an emphasis on how you fight, right? It's not picking the right fight to fight. It's not picking your battles. It's saying whatever battle you're fighting, fight well, okay? And, and here's what I've come to realize after 40 plus years of my small, insignificant life. Are you ready for this? Everyone is fighting something, okay? Now, if I could extend this, I would say everyone is fighting something all the time. I, I, you know, it's, sometimes I think we look towards these milestones in our life, these um, high mar watermarks or low watermarks maybe, but we look for these high things, we look towards them as if they're somehow going to solve everything. When I was a kid, I looked for high school graduation. Man, I can't wait to graduate. And uh, at 18, what did I want to do? I can't, this is an 18-year-old boy. I can't wait to graduate and get out of the house, right? Because I thought, you know, after I graduate and get mom and dad off my back, you know, then, man, that's going to be great. Well, guess what I learned after graduation? Yeah, okay. So then it was, well, I can't wait to graduate college because once I have college under my belt and I've started on a career, man, then things are going to get, you know, that, that easy, you know, well, and then it was, well, I can't wait to get married. And then it was, I can't wait to have kids. And then it was, you know, some of you are at the, I can't wait for retirement. Do you see how the can keeps getting kicked? Some of you, you're doing all three of them in the same month, Alan. But anyway, uh, 
inside, inside joke, inside joke, inside joke. I kid. Do you see how we kick the can, though? And what's the reality, oh? The reality is in every circumstance, every situation, every phase and season in your life, it is always a struggle. There's always something you're struggling with. This became very apparent to me with our, our dearly, uh, now with the Lord in heaven, sister Sarah Batchelder. Okay? Sarah B., I mean, I, I can't wait. If you've never met her, if you didn't get to meet her, I can't wait for you to meet her. She was amazing, amazing woman. I miss her dearly. I miss her laugh. I miss her smile. I miss her phone calls. I miss going to talk to her and, and me getting to pray with her and her knowing she's praying for me. You know, I mean, this, this uh, dear, a uh, widowed woman, uh, you know, I wouldn't think she'd have a care in the world, right? But guess what? She struggled like all of us do. It really hit me that everyone is fighting something all the time. Okay? The question is not, are you fighting something? The question is, are you fighting well? The question is not, are you struggling? The question is, are you struggling for or against the Lord? If I wrapped up this sermon, and actually I'm just going to get to the end of the sermon, how about this? All of my life seems like I'm waiting on Jesus when it seems like the reality is Jesus is waiting on me. The question is, how do we fight well? And so I want to bring that up. As we come to passages like 2 Corinthians that say the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. By the way, where do you think the strongholds he's talking about is? I typically hear this used in reference to strongholds that are out in the world. You know, So we want to pray against strongholds in high places. And I get the Ephesians 6 parallel passage there. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and things in high places. And I think that is on out, outside. And we do need to, as sons and daughters, as agents of heaven in this world, be praying for the big things. I love even in our passage this morning, Timothy says in chapter 2 that when you're praying and petitioning and offering up thanksgivings, mention those in authority as well. Did you hear that in there? Mention the kings and the authorities. We might throw politicians in there. I don't really, praying for politicians, you know, and not praying against politicians, but praying for politicians, okay? And not just the politicians I like, Right? I get all that. I get that we are wrestling with things in the spiritual world outside. But in this passage in 2 Corinthians, I can tell you from my own personal experience, for me, the greatest strongholds that need to be broken are in my heart. Okay? That's where the enemy has strongholds. What do strongholds look like? Strongholds are anything that's in my heart that helps me resist the Holy Spirit and helps me be sympathetic to the lies of the enemy. So when I struggle with insecurities that I'm not good enough, that's a stronghold. Because the reality is, do I believe that I have the Spirit of Christ in me? If I really believe that, 
then I have everything I need. Did you get that? Anybody here live like me where I just wish I had that one more thing? And I get it, you know, as a kid, it's that one more physical object. And, you know, you think, oh, I just wish I had this. And and you get a little older and you realize it's not about physical objects, it's about money, right? And I wish I, how much is enough, TJ? Well, just a little more, right? If I had just a little more money. Well, then you get older and maybe a little more wiser, hopefully, and you realize, well, it's not just that, it's, it's about relationships. And then you maybe even get a little bit older and you realize, well, you know what, if I just felt better about myself, and you say, well, well, this is good. I'm finally getting introspective here. This is growing up. Well, here's the reality, though, TJ. When you feel not good enough, you need to remember that you have the Spirit of Christ in you, that God has provided everything you need. He's laid out the table. It's set, okay? Everything you need is on that table. Everything you need is given to you. It's for you. The key is receiving it, okay? The key is receiving it. That's partly why we do what we do. On any given Sunday morning, we gather together weekly. Why do we do that? Because we are trying to figure out how to better receive from the Lord. You want to know what church is about? Church is about getting from the Lord. That's what it's about, okay? And it's not just about, oh, you come here on Sunday morning and you get the message or you get the worship. No, no, no. Those are catalysts for allowing the Holy Spirit to get in, break those strongholds, and release, release what's already there. Release what's already there. You were made for the Spirit of God. You were made for the Holy Spirit, okay? Imagine the insanity of building a church building and then keeping it vacant all the time. No, no. A building was made for people. We are called the temple of the Lord, okay? This temple was made. God created this temple so that his Holy Spirit would come into it. Now, if you come into this building on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on most weeks, there isn't going to be anybody here. You can come in. You can say hi to Josh and Rob and me. You know, we can chew the fat for a little bit, have a good time. You know, maybe talk about movies or if you want to talk about sports, I'll listen, right? (laughs) Whatever. But if you come into the sanctuary, you're going to find out nothing's going on. Nothing's going on because nobody's here. The potential for this building is wasted when no one is here. The potential that is within you is wasted when the Spirit is not released. The potential that is already in you is wasted when the Spirit is not released. I say the Spirit's not released because I'm not making judgment calls on salvation. This isn't salvation stuff we're talking about. This isn't living. It is thriving. You have to have the Spirit of God to live. You have to be sealed in Jesus. You have to come to the cross and give him everything so that he can give you everything. You have to have that for salvation. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I have seen a lot of people come to the cross of Christ and give him everything and then walk away with so little. You hear me on that? We come to the Christ, we give him everything, but we walk away with so little. 
we should be walking away with everything. We should be walking away from the cross with everything the Lord has promised. Again, it's... Um, um, anybody been to the Washington Cathedral? The National Cathedral. I, why do I call it Washington? It's the National Cathedral, okay? And like most cathedrals, it's built on a cross. The whole point of a cathedral is it's built on a cross. And at the National Cathedral, you have a just giant big, uh, you know, the big main sanctuary area. And this is the chapel dedicated to God the Father. And over here on the left is another side chapel dedicated to God the Son. And over here on the right is another side chapel dedicated to, I can't remember if it was Mary or Joseph or the Holy Family or something like that, but where's the Holy Spirit's chapel? It's this little dinky thing, right? And I think, man, how much of my life is doing that? I have this giant church and I regulate the Holy Spirit to just one little room. When, when the whole potential of this church, this temple that I am, is for the Spirit to be released, for the Spirit to be released into everything. That's, it's, it's, why, um, it's why this passage in 2 Corinthians, the weapons of warfare, how to fight well, has nothing to do with physical things or accoutrements that I take on. Okay? The weapons of our warfare are spiritual weapons. They're not like the world's weapons. The world's weapons are achievement-oriented weapons. Okay? You're looking to accomplish a goal. If you give a, a soldier a gun, what is the goal of that gun? Typically to wound or kill the enemy. Okay? It's goal-oriented. Our faith is not goal-oriented. The war we fight is not achievement. It is becoming. It is becoming. The war we wage is becoming. It is becoming the potential that we have when the Spirit is released. Okay, let's, let's go on. I want to hit this because when Paul talks to Timothy here, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well and holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Okay? Now, last week I talked about this idea of these prophetic words, these prophecies that are given to us. I believe this. I believe it not just because others have said it, I believe it because I've seen it effective in my life. I've seen the efficacy of a prophetic word given specifically to me. Last week I really uh, talked more, and you can hit last week's sermon about uh, you know, trying to give a little bit of a basis for it, um, belief you know, that the Lord's going to pour out His Spirit, that people will prophesy, that prophecies are not just foretelling, they're forthtelling. But let me give you a TJ definition. So this isn't one you'll find in a book. This is one I, I literally kind of threw together. So you can take it or leave. Hashtag take it or leave it. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings, okay? So, but I can tell you this. When I'm talking about prophecies, specifically about this one in Timothy that was given to Timothy, when I'm talking about a prophetic word that I know is for you, that there are prophetic words for you, I am talking about a spoken declaration of a spiritual truth. Okay? A spoken declaration of a spiritual truth. And I emphasize the word spoken because 
the older I get, the more I realize how important vocalizing things is to God. Now, if you don't believe me, just go back to the beginning of the book. God can choose to create any way he wants to because he's God, right? But what does the book tell us was the medium and mode and means by which God created? God spoke. God spoke. And you have a theme of speaking throughout this scripture, even to the point where the Spirit speaks to us. Now, if you're like me, I longed for a lot of my life to have the Lord speak to me. I mean, like, you know, road to Damascus speak, or like Moses got to speak with the Lord. I love that in Exodus where it says, the Lord spoke to Moses as one man or as one friend speaks to another. And I had this vision, you know, of Charlton Heston, and there I am, and there's the, some of you are old enough to get that, you know, and the Lord's speaking and I'm hearing, and I think, man, why doesn't he do that today? Why doesn't he do that in my life? And so for the longest time, I thought it was a deficiency in me. Man, there's something wrong with me. Do I even really know Jesus? Because I, I, you know, why isn't he speaking to me? Right? Then, you know what I've had happen? Is I've had the Lord speak to me physically and audibly. But he uses different voices. He's used sometimes the voice of my wife. Sometimes the voice of some of you. Sometimes he has used crazy voices that you would not begin to, uh, to imagine, the, the places where the Lord has spoken to me. But how do I know it's from the Lord? Well, two things happen. One, and this is a spiritual thing, I get it, it's subjective. But one is my spirit feels it. Okay? Not my emotions, but my spirit. My spirit feels what they're saying, and I confirm it. The other thing is, a little bit more practical, it gels with what has already been revealed to me. It just builds on it, okay? It gels with what's already been revealed. It just builds on it. That's a little bit of a trick, by the way. If you're not listening to the Lord down here, he's not going to share with you things up here. Does that make sense? If, if you're saying, Lord, I want a prophecy, I need a prophetic word, you know, he's probably saying, what have I already given you? What have I already told you? What, what have I already revealed to you? Because again, you have everything you need right now. You have everything. It's not like TJ when he's in his 20s and he says, Lord, if you would just speak to me, if you would just, if you would just fill in the blank, right? Lord, if you would just, I know the Lord's up there and he's laughing. God has the best sense of humor. Not kidding. Anybody here belly laugh till you cry? You know, have that where just something happens. I love what Joel said. You know, our emotions and our feelings, where do you think they come from? Sometimes we have this misconception about God that he's like super stoic, that he doesn't feel. Oh, he feels. He feels so much bigger than you could ever imagine. Where do our feelings come from? I know he loves to laugh because his kids love to laugh, okay? So, so he's up there and he's laughing at me and he's saying, TJ, there is no God can you just 
Jesus, can you just, I've given it all. I'm on 100%. Okay? Again, the end of the sermon is what? You know, I'm waiting on Jesus. He's waiting on me. A declaration of spiritual truths. Spiritual truths. Okay? I need to go on. I'm not going to go over that. Let's go really quickly to this section. I want to look at specifically verses 18 and 19 here. But I want to go that. I want to look at the action words in 18 and 19 and draw some conclusions about how to fight well. Okay? The first one, I would say the first key to fighting well, Timothy, my son, I am giving you. The first key to fighting well, boy, if you haven't heard anything else this morning, okay? I didn't get with Joel. We didn't plan out his communion meditation. I didn't plan out the worship songs. Uh, Sue plans those out. I just plug them in the computer. She's the gem. Everyone, when you see Sue Van Dyke, tell her thank you for doing such a good job. Okay? I, I, I didn't do all this and coordinate it. That's, that's done beyond me. I like doing that. Sounds like I'm being lazy. I'm really not. I'm kind of being excited because I get to stand up here at the end of things and say, wow, look what the Spirit has done. Okay? So, and I can tell you this. Maybe it's not for everyone. Some of you may not need this word, but I guarantee I needed it this morning. Receive, receive, receive. I love um, what was said about Elijah because when it was mentioned, I immediately thought of uh, the oil and the flour. What a great physical thing that happened that is a perfect metaphor for our life with Christ. And that is this. I determine my blessing. God's given 100%. Okay, My blessing is so much bigger than I could ever imagine. It's not a matter of me saying, give me more God. It's a matter of me receiving more. Okay? So the oil and the, and the, and the, and the flour, they never run out. I determine how much blessing I'm going to receive from the Lord. Does that make sense? Maybe the other example is the Elijah example where the widow's pouring the jars. You remember, she has a little bit of oil left. He says, make me some cakes, and then I want you to go out and get jars. And I want you to go to your neighbors and get jars and get every jar you can get. Now, what limited her? It was only, she was only limited by the amount of jars she got. I am only limited by my receiving the Lord's blessing. I am only limited by receiving the Lord's blessing. This word that Paul uses here in Timothy is the same word Christ used in the parable of the sower. In other words, the sower goes out and he gives the seed. And the seed is sown. And in that parable, the, the seed is given. The issue is not the seed. It's not the amount of seed. What produces the harvest? It's not whether you got a little bit of seed or a lot of seed. What, what determines the harvest is what? The soil that it falls on. I determine my blessing by receiving. The more I receive, the more blessed I am. Now again, these are spiritual truths. I want God to change my circumstances. God wants to change me. In fact, he is... He, is a, he, is a, he, he does not change, okay? Same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? He does not change my circumstances. He makes me stronger to stand over my circumstances, okay? 
I know I, I, I think he's going to change. I keep praying like I think somehow he's going to change. Lord, if you'll just change this, if you'll just do that, if you'll make that person do this or make that person do that, it doesn't work that way. God's not saying, TJ, I'm going to take away the storms. He says, I'm going to make you so you can withstand the storms and thrive during the storms so that you can be the peace in the middle of the storm. That breaking through to anybody? Maybe not. Okay, we'll keep going. So here's the other thing, because we need to go. So he says, Timothy, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that, now, the Bible I have here says, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, okay? Uh, Some versions say, by remembering them, you may fight the battle well. I kind of like the King James here because it's really King Jamesy and cool. And it says, so that uh, going before you, they may fight, you may fight the battle well. So there's this kind of cool King Jamesy way of me thinking uh, where this uh, prophetic word given to Timothy is going before Timothy. You know, like it's leading him into battle. He's fighting the battle. I don't know. That just sounds cool to me, right? The actual Greek here is just the word by. It's literally just the word by. To, for, in, with, by, through. This kind of preposition, okay? So that by these prophecies, you may fight well. Through this prophetic word, you may fight well. So last week I talked about these prophetic words, about, about how, uh, you know, to, to listen for them. Maybe you got that, maybe you didn't. <laughs> I got kind of crazy there. I got pretty excited about last week. So, and there's so much more to this, and I'm not saying I have it all covered or understood, because this is a learning in progress for me, Okay. I've had, like I said last week, I've had prophetic words spoken over me and they're words that are outside my comfort zone and they're words that really more describe and then invigorate what I am doing rather than say, here, you do this, you do that. So, uh, you know, they, they describe me and then through those prophetic words, I use them to fight the battle well. So whatever circumstance I find myself in, I apply those prophetic words to that circumstance. How does this apply to the circumstance that I'm in right now? Lord, what do you want to teach me in the circumstance? How do you want to grow me in the circumstance? By these prophecies, you fight the battle well. Now, I know, I know some of you are sitting there and you go, TJ, you're talking crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any prophetic words spoken over me. Yes, you do. If you are a child of the Father, He's not abandoned you, and He hasn't left you out. And you know what? You can always start here. This thing is chocked full of prophetic promises given to you specifically. But hear me on this. It doesn't end here, okay? This is our foundation. This is our rock. We stand on this. I take prophetic words that are spoken to me. I go back to this, and I say, does it gel with what I already know? If so, I mean, I've shared this with you. I have some litmus tests for these kind of things. One of them is, does it gel? If so, does it make me uncomfortable? If it doesn't make me uncomfortable, if I really like it, may not be from the Lord. If it makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to do it, probably from the Lord. I know that sounds crazy, but hear me on this. He's not in the... Holy Spirit's not saying, TJ, how can I make your life easier? 
Holy Spirit saying, TJ, how can I make you stronger, better? Next one. The word fight. Struggle, war, wrestle. Okay? It's pretty simple. We're called to fight. We're always fighting. We're called to struggle. We're always struggling. The question is not, uh, are you struggling? The question is, what are you struggling with? The question is, who are you struggling against? Right? First Peter says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. That's why it's so important that we have our perspectives locked in on Jesus. It's so important that we are of sober and alert minds. And that doesn't mean you're just not doing drugs or drinking or have any, you know, overly caffeinated. No, no, no. It's not talking about that. It's talking about seeing the world with the right mindset, perspective, realizing that when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night and all the time in between, it is a spiritual thing going on. There's a spiritual side to life. There's a spiritual side to you, okay, that you need to understand and tap into. Again, the potential that is released when we allow the Holy Spirit to really move in our hearts and in our lives, right? This last one here where he says, recalling them, you might fight the battle well and hold on to your faith and a good conscience. I realize that some of you here are really tired of the struggle and you're tired of the fight. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. I I really know that what we do here on Sunday morning is a place and a time where you can come down here at the end of the service, meet me at the foot of the cross, and we will be tired together. Or you can go out and you can talk and fellowship. And in that fellowship, I hope you are sharing one another's burdens. I hope you are encouraging one another. I hope you are being a safe person where people can come to you and they can say, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I hope you are safe and comfortable enough to go to others, brothers and sisters that you trust, and say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. But hear me, one encouraging word in the struggle. If you're struggling, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because it shows you haven't given up. It shows you haven't given up. Struggling, even wrestling with the Lord, is not bad. It's not bad when you walk away, when you give up, okay? If you're struggling this morning, I commend you. You are fighting well. You are fighting well. Don't give up. Hold, grasp, clothe yourself in the goodness and faith of God. Receive, use, fight, hold. Those are just the verbs you get here in this small little passage. Do you understand the concept here though? Because that's the important thing. God wants you to thrive. 
That doesn't mean big material blessings. That doesn't mean a life of ease. What that means is you are alive and on fire and secure in the knowledge of who you are. Now, don't feel guilty if you're not there. None of us are. We need each other. We need each other to come to the Lord and encourage one another. Again, did you hear me when I said, I have heard the Lord speak through my brothers and my sisters? Folks, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. To hear it, it's also a wonderful thing to give it. This is a place where we give and we receive. This is a place where we wrestle and it's okay to wrestle. This is a place where when we don't know what else to do, we will gather together, bear one another's burdens, and pray for one another. What a beautiful thing to bring a young one up and to lay hands and to let her know, laying a foundation for the rest of her life. Guess what, honey? We hurt too. Guess what, honey? It's okay. Guess what, honey? You're not alone. Am I waiting on Jesus or is Jesus waiting on me? Folks, we, it's a rhetorical question. He's waiting on us. He has done it all. He has given us everything. If you walk away to, from the cross empty-handed, that's the greatest tragedy of this morning. That's the greatest crisis. Okay? So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to come down with me. You know, I'm not saying... I, don't, don't think this is counseling time. You know, some of you have already learned that. I feel bad if you had any illusions about coming down here for counseling. It's not counseling time. Nine times out of ten, I say, I don't know. Let's pray about it. You want to start or finish? You know? That's okay. That's okay. You know, if, you, if TJ solved all the problems in your life, your life would be a train wreck. You do not want that. I promise you. I, I don't want to give any illusions about solving the problems of your life. I don't want to give you any illusions that Christ will. Does that make sense? I can't. He will. That I promise. We come down. We go to the cross together. There is comfort. Even if it's just in the next breath, there is peace. Even if it's just in the next moment. Even if you're just given manna for today, that's all we're promised anyway. So you can come down here and we can pray together. You can come down here and you can say, I want to know more and I'll share what I have. It's really just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, okay? Am I waiting on Jesus or is Jesus waiting on me? Let's pray. Father God, you are the giver. We were made to receive. We acknowledge this, God. We acknowledge this, God, but it's hard for me to receive because I have all these other things clogging this out. And then there are those deep things, Lord, where I don't feel like I'm worthy to receive, Father, there are some things I don't want to receive because I'm afraid of the cost. Lord, forgive me and dispel those lies. Break those strongholds. Father, as I fight as best I can in my life and against my heart and against the circumstances that I perceive around me, Lord, as I try and fight well, Lord, I know you are fighting for me. I know that your spirit has gone before me, just like these prophetic words given to Timothy that went before him. Father, I know you're going before us. I know you're giving everything. Lord, 
I pray this week for my brothers and my sisters and for myself that we would tap in, Holy Spirit, to you and everything you're doing and what you want for us. We want more of you, Holy Spirit. We want to let you have your way. We want you to be unleashed in our hearts, to have the potential of our lives set free to go and do amazing things. Lord, forgive us for being boxed in. Forgive us for being so willing to to accept uh, good enough, Lord. Good enough is not good enough with you. Lord, it's not good enough. You did not die for good enough, Jesus. You died that we might have life to the full, the abundance. Lord, I pray that this week... Lord, as you reveal yourself, we would see it. We would hear it. We would taste and know that you are good. Father, I pray for all of us in the middle of our struggles that we would not lose heart, that we would not give up, that we would realize that those struggles, you are greater and you are in us. Father, we declare these things We declare them in the name of Jesus because they are truths, spiritual truths, spiritual truths. Lord, forgive us. Help us to receive the empowerment that you've already poured out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Go in peace.